Seeing the Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's, oh, I don't know, uh, Pizza Rat of TV shows. My name is Doug. With <laughs> I like me. that one. You like that one? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, my name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Good. I think we should switch all the openers to memes. We get a keyboard cat next. <laughs> uh, maybe, af- maybe after that, uh, Tay Zande. Bring back Chocolate Rain. I uh, yeah, mind. I was thinking Chocolate Rain for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, welcome, guys. We are, um, I think we're still involved in our rewatch project. Yeah, we've seen that way. Uh, yeah, we're only at season two, episode uh, three. Um, it's called What is Dead May Never Die. Uh, let's give our initial impressions. First off the bat, I'm going to say this is a real snoozer. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, to add. Really I don't well. know. There was a minimal amount of intrigue involving Tyrion, but other than that, I just, uh, God. This yeah, was we'll, just, get, we'll get to that because I have lots to say about uh, how good that was in the books, and I don't feel like it uh, came across uh, on the TV show. Yeah, so let's let's rip right into it. Let's fucking jump right in. All right, so we go to Craster's Creep. Uh, Craster, after finding John uh, spying on him, doing his dirty work of uh, giving his sons up to adoption, um, or for adoption to the White Walkers, um, beat him over the head with an axe, dragged him back inside, and told Mormont that this guy was sticking his nose in other people's business, and then he wants all the crows to leave. Uh, Mormont seems pissed and confronts John, but John tries to justify his actions to learn that Mormont uh, knew the whole time or knew something was up, and his um, justifications for protecting Craster or not doing anything are pretty fucking weak. Um, he says that like uh, Craster's keep has saved Night's Watch men's lives. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Those men's, most Night's Watch people are fucking murderers and thieves and rapists. They've already had their chance at life and fuck them. Um, whereas a child is, you know, somewhat innocent, you know, unless they're born of uh, bastardry out of wedlock. Um, but that's just my own take. I'm not going to, you know, push that on everybody else. Um, uh, then the next morning, uh, Sam gives Gilly a uh, thimble, I guess. It looked like a small bag of cocaine. Anyway, it's a keepsake from his mother. It's the only thing he has to remember her by, uh, and he wants Gilly to have it. So the, roman- the a- romance is uh, blooming there. What a fucking weirdo. It's a weird thing <laughs> to so do. Here, here's, you remind me of my mommy. Yeah, here's, <laughs> a, here's the one thing I have to remember by you weirdo that lives up with your rape daddy. You're my uh, mommy now. I, I, yeah, it made Sam seem really desperate, and I, I get that that's Sam's character, but it, just, it was kind of gross. And then yeah, the fact I, that he's, he's like in a full-on, his hair looks like he's in a full-on sweat in the dead of winter <laughs> on top of that. I understand these guys are dirty and greasy, but Jesus, um, I, I just, I didn't like this, That that certainly that part of it. The opening, um, I did remember the initial watch of this show. Wondering what the heck was going on, and this was kind of an interesting conclusion to find out the Night's Watch knows about this, uh, or at least the commanders of the Night's Watch know about what a creep Craster really is. And also that I did like how um, Mormon didn't punish John for being upset about this. He realizes John is right, but John doesn't really know what the politics are. Or yeah, the and, and Mormon realizes the practicality, but he's not proud of it. Um, yeah. but still, I think this is somewhat of a show invention. I don't think John Evers discovers the uh, the boys uh, getting abducted by White Walkers um, because it's just kind of ridiculous. Because um, in Mormon's justification, he says, we have other enemies to fight. Now, let's go. What? These are the enemies you're going to fight. And even then, like, I saw some weird uh, blue-eyed freaky guy in the woods 
you think that's going to be a problem? I, I mean, I don't know. That's just me. Um, I, I mean, know I, the I think it makes sense. Yet. I think it makes sense in the narrative of the show. Um, but I think you're all right. I don't remember this scene from the books. I, I also don't remember Sam giving away his one token of his mom's affection to this weirdo he just met that lives in the woods. Yeah, because it's, Sam's a sad, pathetic character, but he's not this desperate. I don't know. I think yeah. it's more romantic than giving her keepsakes from his mommy. Uh, but yeah. yeah, just in general, it seems crazy that Mormon's okay with him. Maybe he knows something shitty. That's the way it comes off in the books. He knows that Craster's a shitty person and gets away with raping his daughters and forcing them <laughs> to be his wife. Um, that's bad enough to let Craster go on and do that and look the other way. Uh, but the fact that he knows that Craster is donating his children to either the cold to kill them or to White Walkers now that John saw him, I think that's a bridge too far. It just seems, uh, yeah. you know, as a, you're just a bad guy at that point if you see that and don't do anything. Yeah, I agree with that. So so next we go back to Winterfell, and Hodor is on his way to wake up Bran for his lessons. Uh, Bran apparently wakes from a dream, and Bran tells Pycelle that he's having dreams that he is a wolf, more or less. Uh, he wonders if this is warging. Lewin uh, dismisses this as stories, uh, that there's no magic or dragons. The magic is dead, more or less. Lewin tells Bran that he w- wished that he was able to perform magic as a child, uh, of course, he's not able to. It's just a dream. So, you know, I, in, in this show, this scene in particular, it, it made me realize how bad the show is at conveying the supernatural aspect of these dreams. Yeah. Um, because I, I didn't pick up on any of that until I started reading the books. And the books, books go on way too long about it, I think. I didn't need to see, mm-hmm. read chapter after chapter of wolves attacking deer yeah, or whatever. What the blood tastes like and stuff. Yes, yes. Well, that's just George R. R. Martin being a weirdo. He loves the taste of everything. That's describe all yeah. foods, including uh, blood. Four pages about eel pies and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yes, exactly. So th- this, th- that this, he was kind of shitty, and it also made me realize how much they whiffed on what was an important, very important part of the books. I, I think too that uh, you didn't mention, uh, or at least didn't point it out in the summary at the beginning. It, we see like a POV from Summer. Uh, yeah. Entering uh, Winterfell and going upstairs with Hodor and jumping on top of Bran, um, but you, you I think that's right. supposed it to be a clue, but it's not. It's not heavy-handed enough for a casual viewer to pick up on. Or they could have showed. Think it, I think. I think it's just instead of like, "Hey, we're coming to Winterfell," maybe they could have shown uh, Summer killing a, a deer or something. Um, yeah. That would have been better. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. This is not a very well handled. Um, uh, conversation and the and the crux of the conversation is Lewin saying, you know, he's skeptical about the dreams and all things magic, uh, the for a reason because he actually pursued magic as a uh, minor <laughs> in the <laughs> University of the uh, Citadel. Uh, he got a chain in uh, magic or Valyrian steel, which is somewhat rare. So he studied, uh, you know, magic, and because he couldn't make spells work, he doesn't think anybody else can. Um, he also says the dragons and giants are dead. Um, I feel like this conversation would have had a little bit more weight had it been in last season before the dragons were born, just to show you like the conventional wisdom of how these people really don't believe in anything supernatural really anymore. Um, it's just shitty and stinky and dirty uh, because it's the Middle Ages or Middle Ages like, um, but no real magic is there. But uh, once the dragons are there, I feel like this loses a little bit of a. Uh, 
Because we know as the audience, we're like, yeah, dragons aren't gone. You know, I don't know. Yeah, kind of out of sequence. And we also know Melisandre appears to be uh, magic to some extent, too, on top right. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so where uh, do we go next? Then we go to Renly's uh, Ren Fair. The Ren Fair. Get it? Yep. Okay. Uh, just making sure. <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> All right. Catelyn arrives to a melee tournament in which Loras of Highgarden is getting the shit kicked out of him by a large knight that turns out to be a lady. Uh, Renly is amused by seeing his boyfriend getting his ass kicked by a girl and awards the champion uh, her heart's desire, which turns out to be a spot on Renly's Kingsguard. Um, Catelyn observes all this and then is introduced. Uh, she meets Renly's new wife, uh, Large Marge Tyrell of Housegarden. Uh, and this is an excellent political marriage. Um and basically they talk about it seems like uh the negotiations aren't going to go well cuz Catelyn's all business and these people seem to be having a party um essentially and uh i just want to point out that i think Brienne walks weird i think she walks with her, like her pelvis thrust forward um you should give it a watch okay it's very strange i think she did it when she was a stormtrooper and uh uh whatever um the the attack of Lord the, of the Rings attack of the the Rings yeah yeah That's it. yeah th- this was odd I-, I thought that Renly seemed open to potential negotiations but you had Loris in the background sassing her yeah uh, yeah has your son lost to Lannister yet and then Brienne st- tried to step up your grace you should bow um, it was kind of odd I thought um, uh, and I think Catelyn was a little bit too uh like grumpy. I don't know. Yeah. You've got to wine him and dine him before you 69 him. Am I right? Exactly. And she's the one coming to Renly. You know what I mean? She's not. Yes. Renly didn't come to her, so she can't really be too critical of Renly and his playing at war uh, or whatever since you're there because you want something. Yeah. And, and this cat, especially as the second season has gone, she just looks like she's sucked on a lemon in every every scene. <clears throat> she seems really bitter. Um, yeah. And her face conveys it pretty well, I think, both naturally and, and and the way that Lady acts. We do not wish, you know, we do not, you know, I'm sure she's a fine human being in real life. I want to qualify this criticism of Catelyn, the character yes. on the show, and not this poor woman who looks like she sucks on lemons. Mr. Even-handed. There you go. Doug. So, uh, Doug, <laughs> one thing that was uh, funny to me is that in the books, Brienne... And she is described as like I think yeah, just a an monster. absolutely hideous person. Yep. And this just looks like a lady who's tall. That's pretty much it. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's HBO not being brave enough. Uh, but that's the we see this all uh, throughout like Tyrion. Um, in the books, he has like half his hair is is dark, and the other half different is, colored eyes. Yeah, different colored eyes. He loses his nose, like. You know when you see a skeleton and they have that nose that looks like, I don't know, two cut- cutouts in the middle of their face? That's yeah. what Tyrion's nose looks like after he gets, uh, after the Battle of the Blackwater. Um, they pulled back on all this stuff because they're like, you know, people won't pay attention if, unless they want to have sex with the big <laughs> the big woman who uh, is a knight. Um, Which is odd because they kind of play it up to the show about, to the show kind of takes the same position that she's an ugly woman. Yeah, I, I just think she just looks like a woman. Cool. Yeah, she looks like yeah. a woman. And, you know, uh, I'm going to say she's better looking than average for a woman. I don't know. That's just my... <laughs> okay, obviously you do not agree. Uh, I don't I don't know that I disagree or, or agree. Um, 
So that I thought that was odd. It, it would have been a more interesting choice if they had like some hairy bear woman or whatever it was in the book. I, I think I she mean, was a bear island. I will say, okay, so like just look at uh, Asha or Yara. I think she is a very, no offense, I'm sure she's a good person, you know, probably adopts uh, dogs from kill shelters. Uh, but she is a homely looking uh, character in person. Um, and I think that Brienne is better looking than like and i i don't want to say like this girl is hotter than this girl kind of crap i just want to point out that i think they're not afraid to um sometimes show uh have actors that aren't you know good looking but i think they dropped the ball with um with brianne maybe they wanted to you know maybe they didn't want to put her in a hole or make some people maybe some people are so shallow they just wouldn't like her like i don't care what she does she saved jamie she's ugly i don't give a shit yeah, it's almost like that's <laughs> happening currently no. in the actual world. Uh, so uh, then we transition to Renly and Kat are doing the patented Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Uh, you can see that people look up to Renly, and Renly connects with the people. For instance, he knows that uh, just some rando old dude had just recently been stomped on by his horse. Cat um, refers to these war, these games as a or what they're up to as a game. They're the knights of summer, and winter is coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Renly quotes or says that he has over a hundred thousand people, which we have a pretty good idea. That's, I think that's bigger than the Lannisters and the Starks forces put together. So I mean, he could swing this war if he wanted to. Yep. So uh, especially now that he has the, and I don't know if that hundred thousand even includes the Tyrell forces on top. I, of that. I think it definitely does. Okay, got it. So uh, Renly, in a show of power, sends her to her tent, says that she's tired. And uh, there's a brief exchange between Brienne, where Brienne apparently says she weren't no lady. She doesn't want to be called Lady Brienne. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah, I think this is just planting the seeds for Brienne and uh, Catelyn's future relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, other than that, that walk to till she gets dismissed is pretty uneventful. Um, in the books, it's pretty fa- powerful because, you know, he treats her like what she is and... He makes a big display of going, to ascending a, a tower that's close by, uh, just at nightfall. Um, and he said, and and all these cook fires go out, and she she sees that the amount of people like covers the horizon, like the amount of yeah. cook fires that go out. And he makes a big show of it, and it's just fucking well written because that's what George R. R. Martin does. But you know, this is kind of like lost in the TV show. Yeah, he's got a lot of people. Uh, this small group of fifty folks that we're looking at on this cliffside. I don't know why everything has to be by water as well. Um, yeah, you can hear the seagulls in the background throughout this, and then also a later scene involving a couple of these characters. Yeah, and this is supposed to be the South too. It kind of looked like yeah. fucking uh, you know the cliffs of Ireland or whatever. It didn't. Uh, I don't know. I had a problem with the location, but in general, whatever. I'm not going to harp on it. I just think it was underwhelming. The scene just didn't do much for me um yeah uh, i don't know i'm not intrigued like as a show watcher i don't know are you intrigued by renly or you just see like i guess it's all hindsight now i can't say this is the first time watching the show or knowing the story but can you think that renly's gonna be like you can think he might play a role but there's no way you can think he can you know rule the iron throne right yeah and i actually yeah and i also remember not even recognizing who this was the first time I watched the show. There you go. I'm wondering who the fuck these people are, because I don't think we've seen Renly for several episodes. No, um, and unless you pay attention to the heraldry, which obviously I don't, even as a book reader watching the show, but if you were a show yeah. watcher, I can't imagine you'd pay attention to the stag and all the um, stag 
whatever paraphernalia like his crown, unless Robert had a crown that looked just like that or something. Like, I don't know. They should have drawn the parallels a little better. And with all these names, it's really difficult to, I mean, even remember who's, who's brother. And, um, but the second, that's why the, the second watch through is definitely rewarding. Oh, even if good. you didn't read the books, cause you would be able to tie the things together uh, much better, I think. Yeah. But I just wouldn't podcast about it if I were you guys. Oh, no question. So next we go to the Iron Islands. Theon is confronting Yara about why she didn't say who she was. I mean, I'd be pissed, too, if I accidentally finger-blasted my sister. <laughs> yeah, um, but you would deserve it at that point, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So she wanted to see who he was, and she did, apparently. Balon strolls in. He's got this plan to sweep the north while there's a power vacuum and take the north down to the neck. And does this plan make any sense whatsoever? No, I wrote, I wrote, it's the dumbest plan in the world. It makes no fucking sense. And like Theon's the smartest man in the room, which is fucked up. It is messed up. Yeah, because there's, I don't know that the Iron Highlands has that many people. We don't know that they're good fighters on the land. All they're good for is this berserker attack and recede. Like they're just guerrilla warfare. uh, If gorillas could like had scuba gear, I guess. Yeah, um, an attack of fishermen and villagers. Yeah, and I mean, just I get the that's fuck all out. They do. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they did destroy the Lannister fleet, but they didn't take Lannisport when they had their rebellion. Which, once again, for the um, uninitiated or the show watcher only, um, for some reason, Balon Greyjoy had a rebellion that wasn't at the same time as Robert's rebellion, which would have been the better time for it. He delayed like I don't know a few years afterwards. Um, so he had his own rebellion, which the Iron Islands, uh, fought for independence and, uh, I don't know what they did besides just rampage and they burnt the Lannister fleet, but they got their asses kicked by King Robert, Ned Stark and, um, Stannis, uh, who won the sea battle against Ironborn, which says something once again, smartest man in the room, uh, from a commander standpoint is Stannis, but not in the show because he doesn't know Dick in the show. Um, but this is a dumb fucking plan, and Theon sees it as a dumb plan. Uh, but first and foremost, he's offended that his role in the the plan is so small. Yeah, so so Balon begins expounding on what they're going to do. Yara is given thirty ships. Uh, they are going to attack Deepwood Mott, which is on the far northwest of Westeros. Uh, all we're really far on the top, and actually quite a bit of ways away, considering the Iron Islands are kind of situated on the southwest. Yeah, they're closer uh, probably the to the Lannisters, I think, maybe. I don't yeah, know. I'm not sure this makes much sense. Even that aspect of it, I don't, uh, why would they attack there first? But let's I mean, other than uh, there's the greatest power vacuum up at the top. Yeah, I think just, that's it. It's just where yeah. the least amount of people are going to be the weakest uh, point. But uh, let's not forget that this Deepwood Mott that they're talking about is the same Deepwood Mott that, f- that does not pledge fealty or want to fight with Jon Snow when... In season six, when we're in, I guess, caught up nowadays in the timeline, uh, when John and Sansa go around asking for men, uh, Deepwood Mott and the Glovers refuse uh, John because of this, because the Iron Islands attacked them and basically had Deepwood Mott for all of season, the rest of season two, three, four, and five. Right. And let's also not forget that Euron proposes to raise an army of a thousand ships, yet somehow there are only 31 ships as part of this plan. Yeah, they don't really... Well, here's... That's 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 ridiculous. You're right. Because yeah. the show forgets about um, Victorion Greyjoy, who is a younger brother of Balon, and he is an idiot, but he's incredibly talented as a warrior and seaman. 
But anyway, the show doesn't include him at all. But I think that's where the bulk of the force, because Greyjoy, um, uh, uh, what's his face? Victorion Greyjoy, this guy I'm talking about, goes and attacks um, the fucking, uh, the swamp. What's the swamp? Um, you know what I'm talking where, about? Where the, the men? Yeah, the Cranogmen live, yeah. I uh, forgot the name. This of is the... going to be so lost on a, on a, just a show watcher. Right. All right. But so where where right, uh, so for... the, the little weirdos that uh, company ran up to the wall? Uh, they they live in a swamp where the, supposedly the castle or the the floats around. There's no particular place, and they're they're supposed to be weirdos whose eyes are green. And yeah, but there's... okay. So like keeping it in show only. Yeah, uh, I think it's season four or three. Um, uh, the guy who skins people. What's his face? Ramsey. Ramsey gets Theon as Reek to uh, get the Ironborn to surrender this stronghold that they take. Uh, that's what we're talking about. But regardless, they don't even talk about... That's not part of the plan. They don't talk about the neck or what is it called? <coughs> I don't fucking know. Um, and this is another thing, guys. I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast. I'm going to reread the books. So when I say things like, well, in the books, and then I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm just fucking making it up. I'll be somewhat less informed or less uninformed, if that makes sense. Um, but for now, I don't know what you know. We're just making these references. We're not. We're not being fact checked. It's like a presidential debate around here. Uh, anyway, uh, Theon is pissed off that his role in this uh, amazing attack is so small compared to his sister uh, Yara, and. He points out to his dad that he's a washed-up failure who lost his last rebellion, and does. And he wonders why he thinks this is going to be any different. Um, to which his dad backhands him, right? Yes. Uh, and this forces him to uh, Theon to basically lose it and say, "Hey, listen, it's all your fucking fault that I was taken. You're pissed off at me for being uh, a hostage to the Starks and coming back to you. Fuck you. You're a dick. It's your reason. It, you're the reason why I was there in the first place." And uh, Balon stops or pauses while he's uh, leaving the room. And I'm not sure whether he's thinking about the hard truths that uh, thing I'm talking about or if he's just having a senior moment and forgot why he's here. He's like, did I come in this room to make a sandwich? No. I, I think my <laughs> guess is that is does recognize that Theon's right, but what can he do at that point? You know, you're, you're either do what you, if you're a king, you just pull. Plow <laughs> yeah, you can't admit that you're wrong. Exactly, yeah. And I don't think we mentioned that uh, Theon, his part of the plan is he gets one ship called the Sea Bitch, and he is supposed to go apparently harass fishermen, which I don't know how that ties into the plan whatsoever, other than it's specifically designed to humiliate Theon. Uh, yeah, and once again, this is because of the show. Um, and I feel like yeah. the show could be improved by just like one line of dialogue saying you're distracting him your job is to and this is what it is in the books i think i don't remember it's been a while um been a while anyway theon's job is to attack the stony shore and rape and pillage just so they think it's like one group of iron islanders you know kind of like the uh get off my land uh clive and bundy kind of people like no big threat these are just annoying uh brigands that have to be dealt with so it's a small group doing a couple petty crimes to pull all the soldiers out of either Deepwood or Winterfell uh, okay. or something so that the main attack can go take Deepwood Mott. Um, oh, you know, I think that might be explained further later um, in the show when 
in in a later episode when Theon's pouting about his role in the in the the war. You're probably right, but it's not explained here for sure. No, not all. And, and, but I think that's purposeful to let us think that Theon's really getting the shaft here. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of is. His dad just straight up tells him he doesn't trust him. His sister says you can't be trusted. Um, you know. I mean, do you disagree with that assessment? No, but they but the thing is that they're taking no ownership of it's kind of their fault. You know what I mean? Like Theon right. even says, like Balon, you know, he says to his dad, you know, you gave me away, and it's true. Like Balon could have refused to give up his son. Who knows? Maybe he would have been killed. I don't know. Uh, but it's not Theon's fault that he. Had yeah, at least he would have some honor starts. at that point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it just seems it's okay to you know. You're right. It's a it's a proper assessment, but they're not taking the uh, personal responsibility of the situation. Or yeah, just give him a chance. Right. But it's also part of it is Theon's um, Theon's uh, opinion of himself. On top of that, yeah. What's you know? So, anyways, we go next. We go to King's Landing, and uh, Shay is getting sassy. Um, she is the worst. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> absolute worst. They need to show other scenes of her and uh, and Tyrion having fun or being in love. Besides, just not making Shay a nag, which is how they portray her. Right? Which I don't know if I would buy, even so, because she's a terrible actor. There's been, she does almost nothing but whine in the show. And then we also know about her her betrayal of Tyrion yeah, later in the season. in hindsight, yep. Yeah, so he tells her that he intends to send her to the kitchen as a kitchen wench uh, to scrub pots and pans. And But I thought we already knew that because – and this might be an, an editing error in the show. I thought that Varys mentioned that she was in – working in the kitchen when he was in that scene last episode where he revealed or he was there speaking to Shay when Tyrion arrived at the end of the Kings. You, you may be right, but I, I seem yeah. to remember at the time the scene was happening and I watched it. I think I was uh, thinking about what I was going to eat for lunch the next day because it was yeah. not a, a great scene. This um, is garbage. This, this is, is garbage. This is a fucking time waste. The only thing that we get out of this uh, scene, which is a waste is the fact that Shay's not happy and it propels Tyrion's actions to improve her experience, uh, her you know experience in King's Landing. That's it. Yeah, I feel like this could have been solved with a line of dialogue between Tyrion and, and Bronn, maybe uh, on the way to something else. Hey, Shay's not too happy being stuck in the um, you know apartments all day. Um, think I might make her a kitchen uh, wench. Does she know how to? I don't know. Like I think this could have been a conversation. Is that going to make her happy? Yeah, well, I think Bronn could have had that. Con- you know what I mean? Like this could have been economically stuck into another scene. I agree, and I understand that this Shay is ultimately the wedge between Tyrion and his dad. The the final wedge, I guess. But I just, the whole thing it just seems contrived. And I, I, I'm you know I'm going to stop because we've harped on this before. Uh, I don't want to go down the same path again. I just don't like it. Don't like what? Just the Tyrion, the the Tyrion and Shay, the entire plot line. Yeah, and like I said, uh, in the book, it makes more sense because of they really harp on he's in love with her because he, he or Shay reminds him of his first wife that um, he had to uh, rape and was convinced that she was a prostitute. So that's yeah. why he's in love with prostitutes. But in the book she actually resembles a young lady almost the same age as when Tyrion was in love. It's a little fucked up or more fucked up in the book, but it makes more sense if that makes gotcha. sense. All right. So take us to dinner with Sansa. All right. So later we're having dinner. Uh, 
for some reason, Sansa's at a private dinner with uh, her soon-to-be in-laws, Cersei, Tommen, and Marcella. And Marcella's just going on and on about the wedding um, and what she's going to wear, how the feast is going to be, just like a naive little girl. And Sansa obviously recognizes Marcella as being just like she was before the whole her father's head got cut off, you know. Sure. But uh, Sansa obviously isn't a little girl anymore. She sees how foolish she is kind of in a... I don't know if that if you caught that or if that came across. Yes, I think so. Okay, good. Um, and then they casually discuss uh, if Sansa's brother Rob will have to die or if Joffrey will kill him. And Cersei says, oh, would you like that? And he's like, I don't think so, no. Just showing you that Tommen and Marcella aren't terrible pieces of shit like their mom, or their brother Joffrey. Um, not yet. Not yet, anyway. But this is another form of, of torture, psychological torture for Sansa. She just has to sit there and while they just casually discuss whether or not they're going to kill her uh, brother after they already killed her fucking dad. So this is awful for her. Um, but then she goes back to her apartments and finds that she has a new handmaiden. Uh, the world's shittiest handmaiden. <laughs> Shay, and Shay is a regular Jon Snow when it comes to being a handmaiden. She don't know nothing. And uh, I guess this is supposed to be a humorous scene. It goes on way too long. It is not funny. And Shay is a terrible actress. Yes, I agree. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, other than to show that Sansa still has some fight in her, maybe, that she's taking this her anger out on Shay to some extent. But uh, I guess. Two in a row. <laughs> yeah, not good. No. All right, and then where do we go? Next we go to Tyrion speaking to Pycelle. Apparently he was constipated, so Pycelle was giving him some laxative. Oh, no, he's so- not constipated. Uh, hopefully this will come out in the show, but he plans to use this laxative on Cersei later. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, either way, Pycelle's giving him laxatives. Yeah, How about sure. that? Yeah. So he tells Pycelle a secret. Don't tell the queen he is planning to marry my Marcella to someone down in Dorne. Next, we transition to Varys, and he tells Varys that he's going to marry Marcella to Theon Greyjoy. And if you'll notice in that scene, Varys seems very perplexed. Yeah, he's like, that doesn't make any sense. He doesn't yeah. sound like he's fooled at all. But I read somewhere that the theory is that uh, he already knew about the about Tyrion telling Pycelle that he was marrying Marcella to Dorne. So part of his uh, confusion might be because he already heard this other plan. Yeah, through but his why does perks. it matter? I think it's an interesting detail. I guess we could say that Littlefinger knew about it and he just pretended to be angry. Yeah, that's entirely possible. But Marcella, in particular, or not Marcella, uh, Varys in particular, look very confused. He looked confused because he saw it for making no sense, which is what it is. It was it didn't make any sense. Sure. Well, I, I just offered another reason that. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why you had to question me, you fucking asshole. But anyways, <laughs> uh, next we go to Littlefinger. You know, I try to hold back when you say really stupid stuff. But, <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Uh, next we go to Littlefinger, and uh, Tyrion tells the Littlefinger that he intends to marry. Uh, marry um, Sansa to Robin Aaron, little sweet Robin. Marcella. I'm sorry, Marcella. Yes, Marcella. Rob. Fucking idiot. You fucking fool. This is fun. <laughs> I'm confusing with what happens later, of course. And he promises Littlefinger Heron Hall if he Littlefinger helps affect that to because because he knows that Littlefinger has a uh, strong influence over uh, the nutbag up in up in the ire. 
And so um, Littlefinger, of course, is smart enough to question why he needs him, why he needs Aaron. And, and Tyrion replies that he needs Aaron and he didn't need Slint. Um, I'm sorry, Littlefinger compares himself to, to Jano Slint, how yeah. Jano Slint has been disposed of. Why isn't Littlefinger the next one to be disposed of? And uh, I, I do think that going back to what we just spoke about a moment ago, before while we were yelling at each other, Littlefinger and Varys, I think, are smart enough to know that this could be a trap, and before they really get into it. Whereas Pycelle is just such a fucking moron. Yeah, even though I, he's supposed th- to be hiding his own, men- he's supposed to be hiding how vital he actually is. But at least in, I think it's different in Littlefinger's case because Littlefinger he might see it as bullshit, but he wants it to be true. Because yeah. he wants Heron Hell, and in the book, it's his idea to get Heron Hell, uh, because it's part of his master plan to marry Lysa and become a lord and consolidate his power. Um, but plus, he has like a personal interest in in doing it, and uh, it just doesn't come across that way um, on the show. And and this whole and this whole ruse is in order to find out who's been ratting to Cersei. But at the same yes. time, they haven't set up that. Uh, Tyrion's plans are getting ratted out to Cersei in any way. You're right. It, it, this was a lot longer in the book, and I think he Tyrion made it more nuanced in that yeah, he presented it was, it was great. to Littlefinger and Varys the same plan with a minor detail, or the same plan, but then he provided, I think, Littlefinger with an extra detail that would allow him to discern who was the one that was leaking secrets. I mean, I thought the cuts were interesting. In yeah, the way that's they what I was about to say. Together. That's, that's the only um, thing that really, I mean, it's still not as good as and nuanced as it is in the books, but at least they did a good job where like Tyrion goes to get wine and then when he comes back to wine, it's no longer Pycelle, it's Varys. And yeah. uh, that's pretty well done. Um, so, Especially bravo. because there were a lot of, there was more cuts in the scene uh, or a lot of cuts. And I thought this one uh, bordered on, on, on on jumping around a little bit too much, and they could have expanded this by cutting like the stupid the stupid scene with Shay or yep. the previous stupid dinner scene. I mean, there's yep. there's a lot of stupid scenes in this episode. And because I, and once again, the, what's great about uh, Game of Thrones for the average Joe, if I'm going to speak for the average Joes out there, which I'm not an average Joe, I'm a superstar. But that's um, it, <laughs> but I think it's the political intrigue. Um, you know this the machinations the the behind the scenes like uh, power plays and that's what happens with uh, Tyrion and this happens in the book over like at least a couple chapters uh, and it's great to see him and he ticks it off he's like number I got I got this person number one and he counts off number I got two uh, it's just great um, one thing I have to uh, ask here about this whole thing it turns out that Pycelle is the rat. And Pycelle, he told Pycelle the story about sending Marcella off to Dorne. Now, he ends up doing that, but I'm asking the yes. question, did he send her off to Dorne because Pycelle turned out to be the, the liar? Like, if, let's say, Varys would have been the guy who's riding out to Cersei, would he have sent her to the Greyjoys? I don't think so, right? I don't know, and I was actually going to bring that up in the scene where he and... Uh, he and Cersei have it out. I don't really know. And I I thought maybe because he said it and people believe it, it's done. So that's the route he's going to take because I could see all of those alliances yielding uh, advantages for the Lannisters. I mean, I think that's a little far fetched. They're not fighting a sea battle with the, um, with the start with the third the thirty one ships that they have. Yeah, yeah and I, the the Greyjoys out of all of them seem like the one that actually probably would not work. Right, uh, and even. 
I don't even think that anyone thinks enough of the Greyjoys to think that it would be worth allying with their with their family. No. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's coincidence or if maybe Tyrion planted the one that he thought was the most likely or the best plan or the one that he wanted by giving that one to Pycelle because he figured that Pycelle was probably the leak. That's what I feel like. I yeah. feel like he was going to, uh, and, and this is, you know, we have no evidence for this, but I feel like he kind of suspected Pycelle as being the rat, but he wanted to make sure. So he gave him the most truthful story. Yes, and then once he saw how much it pisses off Cersei later, then of course he's going to do it. Which is which is not great, uh, you know what I mean? Like he should be making the smartest move, not the one that pisses off his sister the most. Um, but whatever, maybe he does hate his. I mean, he obviously hates his sister, but we don't know if that how much that affects his uh, whatever he would, he would, governing. He wouldn't cut off his nose to spite his face. Yeah, I don't think so. But he would take an opportunity to to, to spite his his sister. Uh, Yeah, I agree. So uh, then we're down to Renly's tent again, and we get this saucy makeout session with Renly and Loras. Uh, But Loras gets all butthurt about being uh, beaten by Brienne and how she's made a Kingsguard member. And don't think I'm saying butthurt because of the, you know, whole gay thing. I mean, you were, but you shouldn't think it. You shouldn't think that, no. Uh, the etymology actually comes from Butte, uh, the rock formations in the south. I don't have time to get into it, but anyway. Loris also explains that it's past time that he banged his sister, who he married two weeks ago and is still a virgin, and people are starting to talk, which I just don't know how anybody else would know. I know they have that, like, bedding ceremony when people are married, at least in the books they do it, where... People get married, they have the reception, just like in real life, but then at the end of the night, they say, bedtime, or sexy pants, or something, I don't know. But then they take the bride and groom upstairs and undress them on the way up, and basically force them to have sex, and people watch to basically, uh, you know, confirm the marriage somehow? Yes, it's we, not a marriage until the, there's is intercourse. The ultimate penis and vagina. Yes, the ultimate. Yeah, uh, but uh, essentially, um, Loris is just pointing out he's being a family, you know, a corporate man, and the corporation is his family, and he's trying to look after him, saying, "Listen, you need to put a baby in my uh, sister uh, for this alliance to be concreted or uh, made, you know, firm." Uh, I mean, it's a great political marriage because Highgarden's the second richest um, kingdom in the Seven Kingdoms behind the Lannisters, and they have a huge army. So uh, it's a good move, so Renly needs to step up and do his duty, and later Large Marge comes in and tries to seduce him and sexy him up. But when she fails, she offers to invite her brother in uh, to help, um, quote-unquote. And basically, it's creepy, but as far as brother and sister relationships go in Game of Thrones, this is pretty pedestrian. And... um, Basically, she just says she's down for whatever as long as she puts a baby in her belly. Uh, because basically, all Tyrell power comes from Marjorie becoming pregnant with the future quote unquote king of Westeros, or current uh, king sure. of, rightful king. Um, and I feel like we just don't know uh, who these Tyrells are um, from a show watching no. perspective at all. We don't have any clue as to their wealth, I don't think. Right. I mean, no. and, and that's not a good setup. I will say that's a somewhat of no. a failure, right? 
No, I agree with you. A couple other things that were interesting, I, I thought, or at least made me wonder. First, I did like how Renly kept saying he had wine dick, more or less. Or that was he tried I to blame warn Roman. you, I have been yeah. drinking a lot of wine. It's uh, the show is portrayed as if the Renly and Loras relationship is an open secret that almost everybody knows that they're up to some sort of buggery. Mm-hmm. Where in the books, I think that they it was supposed to be a very guarded secret where Renly and Laura supposedly were praying together all the time, which would provide a good excuse of why they are uh, together and leave us alone. We're in the middle of prayer and that sort of thing. Whereas the book, I mean, the show, everything just seems to be, Hey, everybody knows about this. So it's kind of weird. I I think it's more just trying to relate to like today and now and putting it like in your, um, uh, that just may be me, but I feel like, uh, I feel like the reason why they could, get away with it for so long is because it was just beyond the pale of what um, the average Joe would think their king would, or the high lords would be capable of. Like, it was just like, no, that's there's no way that would happen. There's no way he's banging this other dude. That's just ridiculous. Like, um, I feel like it's such a far-fetched idea um, that it wouldn't be an open secret. Like, it just wouldn't be believed. It would just be, like, poo-pooed as a, uh, you know, just rumor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just the the contrast between the book and the show, as far as the level of openness and, uh, of the relationship, was striking. And it was also interesting that that Renly thought that nobody knew. And I just don't know how if they're banging in his tent all the time, how nobody ever walked in or his you know his chambermaid or and Littlefinger you know. called him out quite plainly yes, in exactly. season one. Yeah, so, so obviously other people know. Right, and then how does yeah, Marjorie, the sister of the dude that he's banging? I mean, come on. But those, that, that was uh, that was what was interesting about the scene to me. But uh, it was kind of interesting. I will tell you that, like, as far as like a show uh, only invention, the scene wasn't terrible or frustratingly slow, like uh, the Sansa and Shay scene or the previously previous Shay scene. Um, at least it was kind of I don't know interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go to uh, Cersei, and she confronts Tyrion regarding uh, Tyrion sending uh, Marcella to Dorne. And uh, he says it's already done. He's doing it to protect her. And and this kind of ties back into what we discussed earlier. Not a whole lot to this scene. I mean, it's Cersei. You know, this is just sending Cersei more into crazy, crazy mom mode. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's once again... It's already done. Is he lying? I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, does he send Marcella to Dorne based on what Cersei believes is the case? Because he can't yeah. be like, no, I'm not going to send her to Dorne. I was just going to see if Pycelle was your rat. He is. He's out of here. Like, I don't know yeah. why he couldn't be. In, he's in a position of power, I think, enough to do that. She also threatens him and says, you know, don't think you're safe because you have a piece of paper from dad. Ned Stark had a piece of paper too. And look what happened to him. Yeah. But if the Tywin Lannister wrote it, then he actually is safe. Yeah. And, and once again, it's Ned Stark had a piece of paper, but you know, you're, you didn't kill him. Your son did. I don't know. Like it's, it's all sorts of like, she's out of her depth. Um, but, but in general, she's just, you know, making empty threats and just angry. Um, yes. And, you know, it, it, not much else comes from this besides, yeah, wondering about, okay, well, uh, I just can't get over it. Like, uh, it just confuses the issue. Was he going to send Marcella to Dorne anyway or not? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. 
So then we go on to Theon, and he has apparently written a letter to Rob, warning him of the no, wait, imminent. Wait, 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 wait. We got to go to uh, um, Pycelle's chamber, right? No. Is that another scene later? That, that's a little bit later, yeah. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Never that's mind. okay. So uh, we go to Theon. He's written a letter to Rob warning about the imminent Greyjoy attack. He changes his mind and sets the uh, letter on fire. So then it transitions. It's apparent now that Theon is siding with the Greyjoys after being prodded by Yara in particular. You have to make a decision as to who you back. Theon is then baptized by a uh, whatever the hell their religion is, priest. It, 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 he, re, if it, he conveys his commitment to the to the the great joys but i wonder what happened to the uh the actual drowning man baptism yeah. that we've seen later episodes where they they actually drown the person and then just see if they come back to life and if so then hey they're good enough for the the drowned god yeah i was wondering um, about that myself yeah. I, it, the show makes it seem like only the chosen are given that test which is what Euron urine uh great joy goes through yes but yeah theon just gets what little water poured over his head yeah, yeah, and like part of it is uh, hard as a rock. I think was one of me could could have thrown a rock at him. I don't know. Could have been more interesting. It was also funny. This one, this scene in particular, made me realize how much Theon kind of looks like Beavis. Oh well, okay, I can see that. That long forehead, the 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 short kind of protruding jaw. I mean, he's uh, not like, a good looking guy. I mean, he's fit, but yeah. I mean, all his facial features are basically on the bottom half of his face, <laughs> much like Beavis. <laughs> He looks like he has like a you know one of these warts that's not a wart or a different color. It's like the same color as his skin, so he can get away with it. Um, yeah, he just seems you're like, very worried about it if you look at it closely. <laughs> it, yeah, he's just not a good looking guy, but whatever. Um, yeah. So that's about it. We just now this is the uh, I, I didn't mind the, this scene. I don't think it added much, but I, or these this combination of scenes, but. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess it did because now we know Theon is a hundred percent on the Greyjoys, and it sets up. Which why what, would you not be on? They seem like they've got a smart God, plan. They've been nice to you the entire time. Uh, if you're yeah. Theon, how do you not go, go with the Greyjoys? I don't know. I mean, friends are the family that you choose. Why would he go yeah. with Starks? So yeah, why? So where do we go next? I, I don't know. Do we go to Pycelle's chamber? No. Next, we go to King's Landing, and oh, Littlefinger fuck. confronts Tyrion. <laughs> Over the deception. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, and okay. uh, Littlefinger is upset about it. He wants Tyrion to leave him out of any future intrigue. But he, I think Littlefinger also realizes what the point of it was, and it also would that would give insight to Littlefinger of how clever Tyrion is. And Tyrion says that he wants to use Littlefinger in another plot to to get Jaime back, involving uh, Littlefinger's familiarity and influence over Cat. And then that's when your boy, Bronn, shows up and says that they found him. Okay. And that goes to... Okay, before we get to that... Uh, yes. But yeah, this shows, I uh, guess, I don't know why we need this little bit of extra besides to get the fallout from, um, you know, Littlefinger finding out he was lied to and he seems very upset about it. Uh, but we do we do get uh, Tyrion's astuteness of knowing what motivates Littlefinger and his love for Catelyn um, Stark, formerly um, Tully, I guess. Yes. So he it's it just shows Tyrion's political adeptness of motivating people, finding out what truly motivates them, and using that to get them to do whatever the fuck you want. Um, so yeah, and even great. when he's deceived uh, Littlefinger to the point where Littlefinger is that upset with him, he's still able to 
have a plan ready that would intrigue Littlefinger such to bring Littlefinger back over to side and use bring him in a good in. plan. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, if you think about what happens here, it's really great uh, as far as little or as far as Tyrion's uh, ability to scheme and, and put people against each other. I mean, he's uh, he's brilliant. And I don't know that this show the show does a poor job of portraying. Yeah, they, it's it's not it, it should be much more heavy handed. I think it is the best part of the second book is reading yes. about all this intrigue and all these uh, lies and conspiracies and and just the way Tyrion is able to play the game, quote unquote, in King's Landing and win um, is just very impressive. And it just doesn't come across in the show. And, uh, yeah. And actually, the one the best attempt at it, I think, is the next scene after the one you're about to describe. So why don't you okay. tell us what happens to old so finally, we <laughs> Meister make piece of shit. <laughs> We make it to Pycelle's bedroom, and uh, Bronn, Tyrion, and I think Timmet's son of Timmet, or something, I don't know, one of the Hills Clan guys, they barge in on Pycelle and confront him, but he's uh, getting busy with a prostitute. Um, uh, but basically, they strong arm him and get him to admit that he's uh, he fed uh, intel to Cersei, which obviously Tyrion already knows because of the three lies he told. Um, uh, uh Tyrion also tries to pin the poisoning of John Aaron on Cersei on on Pycelle based on Cersei's orders, um, and we know that that isn't the case as an audience because we know eventually that Lysa was behind it. But still, uh, Tyrion is very upset with him and has his beard cut off, which is a more meaningful uh, action in the book because in the book his beard is long and luxurious, and then. You know, after it's cut off, he looks like a feeble old man, which doesn't come across in the show. Uh, but then after he, after that, he has him thrown in the black cells. Uh, and then even later uh, than that, Tyrion meets with Varys, and they're having wine. And Varys doesn't seem upset that he was lied to. He understands the game. Uh, and they just have a conversation about the essence of power. And we get that uh, one of the main themes of the story in the books. Um, power and, resides. And actually, Gurm, Gurm considers this one of the... Most important, and Gurm refers to George R. R. Martin. He yeah. referred. He believes this is one of the most important speeches in all of the books. Yeah. So let's. Uh, let me see if I can do a good job of paraphrasing. Basically, yes. there's a guy with a sword, and there's a priest, a king, and uh, some else. What's the other one? A rich man. I think a rabbi. Yep. And they all walk into a bar. Basically, yeah. um, who uh, who does the guy kill? Basically, it's who do whoever has power is who the common person thinks has the most power. Power is a lie. Power is a game. It's a masquerade. Um, and belief is what motivates it, which is, which is strong. Um, but I mean, this just comes to the, uh, essence of reality. Reality is based on belief. I mean, you make steps, you make, uh, actions based on what you believe to be true, whether it's gravity whether it's, you know, whether pe good people get rewarded for doing good things, whatever it is, you have a belief system. Um, this is why I don't believe in anarchy or think that uh, you can't be a complete uh, uh, amoral person. You just have to have, you believe in a system somehow because you make actions. And that that is where the power resides, what people believe, um, which is huge. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, good one, Kierkegaard. I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take a philosophy 101 class, if yeah. you guys couldn't tell. 
No, we couldn't actually. Uh, but th- I think this. What's interesting about this scene is, in the context of the rest of the show, this is the beginning of very seeing Tyrion as a possible leader in the future because he sees how well Tyrion manipulates people or, or gets things to work in his favor. Game recognized game. Exactly, exactly. And again, just not conveyed well in the show. But if you saw Tyrion in the books and you were very watching from the outside and actually believed in what Tyrion is puts forth, or I'm sorry, that Varys puts forth as his goal is protecting the realm, well, then Varys would want Tyrion in charge right. based on what he's seen Tyrion do so far. He's, he's even handed, he's intelligent, he, he can. He does the right things with people, it seems like, and he's able to manipulate or. Uh, coerce people into doing what he thinks is right. I mean, he, he he does have the makings of a good leader, it seems like. Yeah, he's basically uh, our new protagonist. Like, he's the Ned Stark if Ned Stark was smart and politically savvy. He's the guy you root for. And he also, uh, you know, muddles the water because he's a Lannister. He's, you know, you want to hate him because of his family and all his family is basically shitty. And, and uh, even including Jamie, who really doesn't have a goddamn redemption arc in this goddamn show which I'm, not right. gonna go, I'm not gonna go no off on it no Doug Rant. uh but yeah uh but essentially he's the good lannister he's the good one and um uh, he's the guy you root for and that's the weird thing when you read these books or when you uh watch the story for the first time you're like well ned's gone who i guess i'm gonna root for rob stark but rob stark's not even a pov character in the book and he doesn't really get he gets short shift in the show as well He's not even in this episode. No, he's 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 yeah. not a main character. I mean, Jon Snow is, but Jon Snow is so far removed from all this, um, you know, this warring and this political intrigue that he's just kind of outside the story, having his own adventures. Um, so I feel like Tyrion fills that role as being the guy you root for. Um, does that make sense? Or yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that even at this point, now we're looking at the main characters as. As Tyrion, we're looking at Jon Snow, we're looking at Danny, mm-hmm. and then probably Theon on top of that. You're I mean, right. I, he, I was yeah. thinking he 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 is the most like uh, identifiable, or you want to root for him just because he's been through so much shit. He's redeeming he's also, himself. He's also kind of a scamp, even though he does have uh, many objectionable scenes. He just seems like the the, the Eddie uh, Haskell, or you know. Um, and also, John's kind of a, a slack jawed yokel for most of his scenes. Yeah, he, he's, he's a kind Luke of Skywalker, kind of like a, I was supposed to get yeah. power converters from Tashi Station or whatever. Yeah, and then Danny's, of course, is uh, is beginning the long path down uh, screaming titles. Well, it's mining by states. rights. I will yes. take mine by blood. And it's just. But at note. the same time, Tyrion. Uh, pretty soon here starts getting kicked and kicked and kicked for yeah. reasons that are not related, not his fault. And, and he's also, I think he has to be the most charming character on the show so far. Absolutely. Uh, probably by a mile actually, even though, uh, cause I don't think we've really seen the emergence of coach Davos yet. No. Some of the other fun characters that we see later on in the show. No. Um, I mean, brand Braun rather is kind of charming, but you know, he's a scoundrel. Yeah, and he's definitely you would never uh, confuse him with a main character. So no, absolutely not. So next we check in with Ari and the uh, gang of of recruits headed to the wall. They're holed up in some keep. In the book, I think they're actually in a castle where the castle was stormed. But uh, Ari and Yorn are chatting. Uh, Yorn offers alcohol to a miner, which I guess <laughs> back then. <laughs> um, they discuss how uh, Yorn sleeps despite bad thoughts. Clearly, Ari is tra- traumatized by father's execution even though she didn't see it 
Yoren discusses how his brother was murdered and how he got revenge. And of course, I think this is the where the idea of the list yeah, of names which is crazy. Comes from. Yeah, I want to I want to take a break before we talk about the what happens after the story. Sure. So go ahead. Then go ahead and and tell what did you want to interject here? All right. So yeah, this is the origin story. So instead of Arya just having her prayer that she makes up, which is organic, and you know, like it 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 ceases to be. It takes it away. It robs it away from being. Uh, something that anybody would do be, uh, to being something that is a learned behavior. Does that make sense? Like, No, no, back up. I think you're going to have to start from the right, beginning. So, so start from the beginning is Arya has this name. She keeps a roll call of people she's going kill, to kill, just like yes. um, uh, what's the guy from Boardwalk Empire that's in Billy Madison that puts smears lipstick on his face? Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison – uh, Billy Madison just, and if you haven't seen Billy Madison, okay, spoilers for Billy Madison and possibly Game of Thrones and the rest of the Song and Ice Fire. But anyway, uh, Steve Buscemi plays a psychopath who has a list of guys, people he was going to kill on his wall, and he crosses off Adam Sandler's list, uh, Adam Sandler's name off the list when he calls and says, hi, I'm sorry for being mean to you. Uh, but essentially, Arya starts keeping a list of people she wants to be dead. She wants vengeance against and instead of being something that she just comes to and arrives to based on uh, her experience, something that can happen to anybody, she gets this implanted by Yorn because Yorn said, oh, you know, he if so, show only invention. Yorn has this situation where his brother was killed by this guy named, I don't know, Tom, let's say. And, uh, you know, he just said, would say the name Tom every night before he go to bed like a prayer, uh, which is exactly what Arya does. Um. Anyway, I don't like it. I understand it's a way to have Arya and Yorin bond, uh, but it seems ham-fisted, and Yorin immediately gets taken out of the picture in the following scene. Um, do you have a problem with that at all, or what? So, so Yorin's story was this was completely a show invention. Absolutely, we don't hear any of this. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I thought it was silly, and I do agree. It takes away some agency from Arya. In creating this own her own thing, I guess it does also set up though that uh, Yorin exacts his revenge upon the person that he wanted to, and then if the list is going to transfer to Arya, then why wouldn't the vengeance also transfer to Arya? But at the same I time, I didn't, have, the, I didn't really have a problem with it. I guess, but, but it's it. Here's the thing: is if we follow the conclusion of Yorin's story, he's just like, yeah, I killed the guy, I got my vengeance, and I took his horse and I ran to the Night's Watch, and I've been there ever since. So, Yorin is paying the price of being a celibate fucking weirdo at the wall in this goddamn men's only monk club. Uh, and he's paying the price for his pursuit of vengeance. Arya yeah. hasn't paid a fucking price yet. And she will. There's no way, like, I, I, you know, uh, everybody guesses what's the ultimate endgame for Game of Thrones is going to be. I don't know. But at the same time... Arya is not going to have a happy ending. There's no way, or, or else it'll fly in the face of, it'll say vengeance is a good thing, and there's no way vengeance is a good thing. We know this because George R. R. Martin wrote a goddamn scene taken right from A Princess Bride where Inigo Montoya is like, you killed my father, prepare to die. Only he had Indigo, uh, Indigo Montoya get his head fucking shattered by the mountain. So we know that the pursuit of vengeance is not a good thing in the eyes of George Martin. 
unequivocally. I mean, I don't see how you can argue with that fact. So I don't think Arya is going to have a good end. Um, and I guess that's that's made kind of clear here, but uh, it seems like she's like a show only, like a folk hero on the show for sure. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So thanks for backing me up. And uh, it's no, those- I, I don't. I, I understand that that is a, definitely a general theme, but I do think that Arya, if, if the show is going to deviate or not have George R. R. Martin's script in front of them, I do see how the show could allow Arya to obtain revenge and also survive and be happy and live happily ever after. Because I think even though these guys want to be true to the vision of George R. R. Martin, I think they also are concerned about uh, pleasing more fickle television viewers. I think that I don't agree because I feel like they're like a president after their second term. They just they know they're not going to get reelected. They know they've already won more uh, Emmys than Frasier. And Frasier was basically the best show on TV. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't say that with a straight face. But anyway, these guys think they're batting a thousand. It doesn't matter at this point. Like, I can't imagine them placating. I don't know what they're doing because I don't want to criticize them too much because season six was so much better than season five. Uh, but I feel like they can do whatever the fuck they want at this point. They don't have to worry about viewership or anything like that. They're, you know, they're probably renewed until the end of the season and they, they can yeah. retire or then continue to make shitty movies or whatever they're going to do. Um, so we'll, 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 we will revisit this at the end of the series okay, well, as to whether Arya lives happily ever after or not. I don't think she does. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I think that she absolutely does. I'm just saying I don't think it's uh, – I think it's a possibility, whereas it seems like you don't think it's a possibility. I think if, if it is a possibility, uh, let's just say in the show, the showrunners and the people that are making this show don't understand it. And if it is in the in the books, then I'm completely 100% wrong and should never be trusted for my opinion ever again. Agreed. Yep. So then uh, the scene continues on. Uh, the, the All of a sudden we hear horns outside. It's apparently the arrival of the gold cloaks have returned after the two were uh, scared away by Yorin and his uh, nutsack threat. Uh, Yorin tells Gendry they have, and Ar- the, they have Lannister guards with them this time. Yes. Now, yes, now, absolutely. So Yorin tells Gendry and Arya to hide. So, And I understand why he tells Arya to hide. I'm not entirely sure why he tells Gendry to hide. If only, I guess, to protect Arya? Or the fact that he knows that they're after Gendry. Yes, I I mean, I guess that's the explanation. And actually, you know, to throw back to what we talked about last week, I saw another theory of why Gendry was uh, sent away or went to join the the Night's Watch is because he had seen two, or the guy he was the apprentice to, had seen two kings of the hand show up to his uh, to his uh, to wow. his uh, black blacksmith and both Slither- end up dead. Yes, exactly. So he's starting to worry about why are these people coming? Why are the kings of the hand coming around and asking about Gendry, and then they end up dead afterward? Of that course, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of because course. I think we wondered at that in previous episodes. Why was Gendry sent to the wall right then? I, it doesn't make yes. a lot of sense. And that was actually a fan theory sent into another podcast. Uh, so I thought that was the best explanation. That makes a ton of sense. So uh, anyways, Yorin tells Gendry and Ari to hide. Uh, Yorin uh, goes out and attempts to confront the gold cloaks. He's killed almost immediately. Uh, the recruits kind of attempt to fight back, but it's not very successful. Arya frees the creep squad from the rolling jail. Uh, the gold cloaks overwhelm, round up the kids. The real jerks, one of the 
gold cloaks or Lannister guards named Poliver kills. I think the kid's name is Lammy Greenhands. Yep, because he had the uh, he was a dyer or he was a dyer's assistant in uh, King's Landing, so his hands were always green with the dye. There you go. So they uh, ask after killing Lemmy Greenhands. They ask where Gendry is. Arya quick wittedly says points to the Lemmy and says that was him. And he just happens to have the helmet next to him, which we all know was Gendry's. I think that they re- actually the, the gold cloaks referenced the helmet when they were yeah because to- they they tortured the his uh, Gendry's boss the armorer yes or the blacksmith mm-hmm. and he said he has a bull's head horn with him. I think that was the end of episode one of this season. So, Yes. And so that's it. I, I don't think that it comes across on the show. But uh, how did uh, Jacken get out of here? So in the books, once again, this is not uh, up-to-date knowledge, so this could be completely false. But in the books, they hold him off at the gates, and the Lannisters have to, like, put up, like, uh, they're inside the castle. They don't go outside the castle and say, hey, what's up, guys? No, they stay inside the castle, and Yorin's like, go fuck yourself. I'm not letting you in this fortified castle. So the Lannister guards and the Lannister army has to storm the castle with like ladders and stuff like that and grappling hooks and stuff, and they fight them off. And it takes a lot longer, and everybody escapes. So there's enough time that Arya gets away, Gendry gets away, um... You know, Lamy gets away. Uh, they, all these people get away, and they're wandering around in the woods for a while. And it, it is, I understand why they condensed it, because ultimately they do get captured by Lannister guards and taken to Harrenheld. Um, and they get to be a guest of the mountain at Harrenheld. But um, it, 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 it was actually the cage were able to get away because the Lannister army had to storm a fucking castle. They didn't just... You know, these guys were in a keep in the show, and then everybody left the security of the house or the structure they were in to go outside, and they all got immediately captured. It was ridiculous. Yeah, this is actually was – I read online that this was a budget cut. They oh, didn't sure have the was. budget to – yeah, to, to actually have them storm a castle and a number of people involved. It doesn't uh, – like they did it in Army yeah. of Darkness. I don't understand why you can't, can't do it on an HBO TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of silly. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why Gendry and Arya just didn't run into the woods. How would the guard have ever caught yeah. them? I don't know. Um, you just scatter. Like, everybody, every yeah. man for himself, you just run in 15 different directions. Those guys have horses, but, you know, you just keep running. Uh, you got to think a few of them will get away. It's just ridiculous. Right, I yeah, and that, I mean, they would have had Hot Pie as the easy prey, and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lemmy with his, with his arrow in his leg. I mean, they could have gotten away. But I, I mean, to, I guess, You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than Hot Pie. Yes, but on the other hand, I understand that they were probably confused as children in the middle of the shit. But yeah, it's not a big, it's not a big show only change. I think it makes sense to condense yeah. it all. Um, it's just a, it's just a shame, I guess, that Yorin had to go down uh, so quickly after yeah. making a friend with Arya. It's almost like it was uh, planned. Yeah, disappointing. All right, so, so let's get o- get on to our, I guess, ratings. I'm going to give this a, I hate to take the easy way out, but it was, it was bad. But then going, talking about it, it wasn't more bad than last week's or the first episode. So I don't know. 1.5, 2, somewhere around there. 
I wish we had one point. I wish we had one point seven five, but we don't. So it's a point five system on uh, five stars. So I'm going to give it one point five stars. There we go. How many out of ten would that be? <sighs> Is that conversion even possible? No. I'm going to give this. I'm not going to go for a specific sandwich. I'm going to go with the concept of a sandwich. Or if you had like a really good, say you got a public sub that was really good, mm-hmm. and you only you only ate half of it, and then you put the other half in the refrigerator. Oh yeah, and then it gets soggy. The lettuce, yeah, starts getting yeah. gross. The bread gets gross, and then there's always like wa- like a strip of it that's just like waterlogged, and you have to kind yeah. of scrape that out. That's that's my rating. Yeah, that's almost as bad as like if you ever tried to save Taco Bell and put it in the fridge for later. That's a <laughs> oh, God, that's no. a nightmare, guys. Don't do that. If you don't, it has been. To... I have. It's been over a decade since I had Taco Bell. I think. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't yeah. wait to visit you. We're gonna change change your life. You know they put Doritos on the tacos now. Oh, I do. I'm aware. <laughs> uh, but no, but yeah, if, guys, if you can't finish a Taco Bell meal, just throw that shit away or give it to the rats or homeless people or whatever because it is not gonna keep in your refrigerator. It just won't. It's going to be awful. You're not going to be able to eat it. And then uh, hopefully you can pull together a quarter to get three more tacos the next day. <laughs> uh, hopefully. It's just so cheap. Yep. All right. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, anything else to add about this episode? No, kind of a bummer. Let's uh, let's. I uh, hope we get a bounce back next week. Yeah, and we're gonna try to have uh, guests again because we feel like guests uh, keep us from wanting to kill ourselves. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I feel like they spice things up. All right, guys. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please write, rate, and review us on iTunes. Uh, since I've said that, um, I think ten weeks ago, nobody has done it. We are sitting at seven reviews. Now they're all five stars. That's great, but. Um, Please rate and review us. If you're listening to this and you haven't rated us on iTunes, give us a rating, hopefully five stars, but then tell us what you really think in the comments. Um, Just to let us know you're listening. Uh, Anyway, if there's nothing else, Brian. That's all. All right. Thank you for joining us, everyone. See you next Tuesday. Bye.